Hi, and welcome to Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We are committed to serving our community and the community abroad. We pray that the word you are about to hear will be a blessing to your life and that you allow the Holy Spirit to open your heart and receive what the Lord is speaking to you. Okay, so today we are continuing our series for the one, for the glory of God and for the one who is far from God. And actually, you know, I could just walk off the stage saying amen because Pastor Joyce just segued right into the message and delivered clearly what our call is to service, not just to the body of Christ, but our service unto God for the unbeliever. Um, so let's just have a word of prayer. Father, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for the love that you have poured into us by receiving us as your sons and daughter. And God, I pray, Father, that that love would drive us, would compel us, Father, to share the good news of the gospel, Lord. God, that we would be burdened, not just for our brothers and sisters here in this church, Lord, but that we would be burdened for the church at large and more so, Father, that we would be burdened for those who have yet to experience the love and the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy that only you can give us. So, Father, Lord, I just empty myself of myself and anything that I have within me, Lord, because we all know that, Father, in and of our own strength, we can do nothing. We are nothing without you, Lord. So, Father, I come before you an empty vessel and ask that you would use this servant, Lord, to deliver not my word, Father, but to deliver your word. And God, I pray that we would have eyes and ears to hear what the Spirit of God would say, Lord. Etch that word in our hearts, Father, that we would walk out of here, Lord, wanting to walk in your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. She's going to bear with me. I'm not used to these bright lights here. <laughs> so we are going, our objective today is, uh, like Jasenia had mentioned, is to think big and start small. It all comes into the series that we have been uh, preaching on the last few uh, Sundays for the one, again, for the glory of God and for the one who is far from God. And when I was preparing my message, um, when I was fine-tuning things, I was like, you know what, I'm going to email Pastor Mike because I like the way Pastor Mike delivers the word. And I just wanted to compare my notes with his. And as I was trying to prepare, I wanted my message to mirror what Pastor Mike was going to be sharing or what he shared. You guys listen to the message on YouTube, okay, because it's... Two different messages, all leading to the same thing, but very different deliveries. And so I had to kind of understand that. See, I have to be true to myself, and I have to give you the word of God as the Holy Spirit is stirring it up inside me. So my message is not mirrored to Pastor Mike's message, but I believe and I trust that the outcome and the end result and the full message would mirror each other. So today's word comes from the book of Romans chapter 12 verses 9 through 18. I'm going to just read through the scriptures and then we'll just jump through a couple of them and I want to give you some um, facts that go with this word. I believe all of you received two cards when you came in, right? Did y'all receive two cards? A card that has life, group, life groups listed, and then there was another card 
that we kind of handed last week also, and I just felt that this message kind of tied into last week. So if you didn't receive those two cards, if you could just raise your hand. As I'm speaking, um, the ushers will hand those out to you. So I don't see any hands raised, so I'm assuming everybody received those cards, right? Awesome. Alrighty, so let's read Romans 12, verses 9 through 18. This is where Paul gives us instructions on how to behave like a Christian. So the word of God says, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patience in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. That's one of my favorites, the ending of these verses. Distributing to the needs of the saints and given to hospitality. And then the verses go on to say, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your minds on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. These are great scriptures. You hear Paul, the first few scriptures leading, ending with verse 13. Paul is giving us instructions on how we should live together as the body of Christ. How we love our brothers and sisters in Christ. How we are to serve one another um, from that love. And then the latter parts of scripture, Paul kind of shifts things around. And so now he wants to teach us or give us instructions on how we are to love and serve those who do not know the Lord. Those who have wronged us. Those who have hurt us. These are the instructions that Paul is giving the church. And when I say the church, I'm not talking to just us in this building because everything has to point back to the objective here, right? To think big and start small. And some of these things will be easy for us to grasp and kind of hone in on, but then there are others that are a little bit more difficult, right? The latter part of scripture today is a little bit more difficult for us to walk in but that's why we're coming here today today's message is all about love in action and so I was kind of glad that I was assigned today I was actually assigned to another date and then schedules needed to be switched and um and so when I was reading the scriptures I'm like you know this is good for me because this is what bubbles inside of me. The love in action. See, it's one thing to preach the good news of the gospel, but sometimes people need to see how we walk that out before they're receptive to what we have to say, right? Um, and so I believe that Paul is giving us those instructions today. Um, 
Everybody got their cards, right? Because I'm going to be referencing those cards. Um, so today's message gives us application to life, showing how the gospel works in practice, both in and out of the church, both with believers and non-believers. And as believers, everything we do and everything we don't know how to do, we learn from the gospel. The good news of the gospel is what teaches us how to be good and faithful servants unto the Lord. It is the gospel that teaches us how to love and serve others and how to be selfless in the way we do that. And so sometimes these things are so hard to do, but today I want to give you an opportunity to think about how big the love of God is towards us. That's a big love, a love that we sometimes can't even imagine or understand or grasp our thoughts around it. And how that love was the driving force that took Jesus into a life of service leading up to the cross. See, that wasn't easy, right? That was a hard journey leading up to the cross. So I want you to take a look at your volunteer cards that the ushers handed you this morning. And as I continue to talk, I want you to continue to look at those cards and see where do I fit into this big picture um, because sometimes I feel like we forfeit an opportunity to serve God while serving others because we think we're not qualified uh, to do something. We consider ourselves too small and like I said earlier, in and of our own strength, we can do nothing. But if God is calling you, if there's something bubbling, stirring up inside you, when you look at that list and you're afraid to check it off, I want to implore you today that as the Spirit of the Lord bubbles something up inside you, that you begin to check off boxes and you will be so surprised of the things and the joy that comes with doing that. So today I want to invite you to what is called a gospel-centered lifestyle. And what that means is a lifestyle of love and service to all men, regardless of who they are and where they may be in their spiritual journey. And again, this is not just about the body of Christ here in the church. There are two billion Christians Waking up around the world this morning, going to service, some of them in basements because they have a fear of being persecuted. We're to pray for them and love on them. I'm going to be reminded of these things today. What is a gospel-centered lifestyle? It's a lifestyle of love and service to all men, regardless of who they are and where they come from, regardless of where they are in their spiritual journey. And some of you may be asking, how do I do that? Because sometimes that may seem a little bit too hard or we just don't understand it all. But that starts by building community with one another and learning to do life together. The best way to do that is to get plugged in. See, Sunday services are good and it lays a foundation, right? But on Sunday services, we can't raise our hands and ask a question because we would be here all day, right? That's why we encourage small groups. They're groups that meet throughout the week in different places. Some meet at home, some meet via Zoom, some meet here in the church. Some are for men and others are for women. But this is the opportunity we get to come and ask those difficult questions or those questions that you might be a little embarrassed because you may think it's a foolish question. This is where community is built. This is where we understand and break down the gospel. This is where we come together to laugh, to cry, to share our burdens, to ask questions. And as we do this, God begins to gel our hearts together and we become a community that's filled with love. Love for one another. Love for the brethren. Your burdens become my burdens and mine become yours. You may not know how to pray, but in these small groups, you're encouraged 
to pray for one another. You know, we have people come. I have some women that come into my group and they say, hey, you know, I, I don't speak English very well. And you'd be surprised that, well, you know, one little thing will spark them up and they're very fluent in English and they might be praying in English and not even know it. But that's where community starts. And in order for us to be able to understand and walk in a gospel-centered love for one another and offer the same to unbelievers, like I said, we need more than just a Sunday service. If this is all you have, then you're cheating yourself out of the growth, your spiritual growth. Look at your cards again. Look at those life groups. I know we have some of those life group leaders here. Some I know are out today. Um, but if you're a life group leader, if you could just raise your hand real quick. I know we have Pastor Victor here. I know we have Carlos in the back. We have Kayla, that's a, a, a young adults youth group. And um, I'm standing here before you and I'm raising my hand too because I have one of those groups. So you can speak to any one of us, ask questions. What is your group all about? When do you meet? What times do you meet? Um, and then I would just encourage you to check out the groups. No commitments, you know, check out the groups and find which group best suits your style. Where's the chemistry at, right? So what does it mean to be in a gospel-centered relationship? It means that we remember how we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You can read that in the book of Romans chapter 3. And the same time, we remember how God loves us and how Jesus' life service, Jesus' life of service made a way for us to be forgiven. And he did that when we didn't deserve it. See, gospel-centered relationships grow out of a place of gospel-centered love. And the only way we're going to learn about a gospel-centered love and how we walk in that is to be in community with one another. To have a gospel-centered love, we need to understand first the magnitude of the love of Christ. And then we have to understand and receive that love of Christ. And then once that love of Christ is in us, there is just no way that if God is is the center of our being that we cannot love people the way Christ has loved. It's just impossible to do. It is impossible to see a need and walk away from it because you don't want to be inconvenienced. It's just impossible. Just as Pastor Joy shared in her uh, uh, testimony, right? It was impossible for her to walk away at her sister-in-law's funeral, knowing that there was a message that needed to be shared. And because she was obedient, because that was stirring up, that was in the center of her being, she was able to share the good news of the gospel, and she led people to Christ. Not only did she lead them to Christ, but as she said, she sealed the deal, right? She went and she introduced them to a leader in the Staten Island campus so that these people can begin their journey. And this is what a gospel-centered relationship is all about. It is in small groups that we learn why we serve, how we serve, why we love, and how we love. See, because love is the most common and yet misused, misunderstood word in the English language. See, normally it's synonymous with romance. You talk about love, first thing that pops into your mind is romance. But for us as believers, love is a subject of vital importance, as Paul shares in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 
We all know the scriptures, right? Often used at weddings because it talks about love. But uh, in those scriptures, Paul says, but now abide faith, hope, and love, and these, these three. But the greatest of these is love, right? So love, Paul regards it as greater than faith and hope because love is eternal, whereas the other two, faith and hope, are temporal. You can read all about it in 1 uh, Corinthians chapters, uh, chapter 13, verses 8 through 13. So we see that love is, a, is an appropriate response to God's love and grace in Christ. You can read that in Luke chapter 7. And love is a great commandment and one of the distinguishing marks of a true disciple of Christ. And I want to just read to you what Mark 12, 33 says. It says, to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says that these things are more important than any offering or any sacrifice you can do. So we are to love him with all of our heart. How do you love a God that you don't know, that's not tangible when you come in. You cannot understand or fathom what that love is all about, especially if you walk in to a walk of faith and probably, like me, grew up not knowing the love of a father because all you knew is father's rejection of a father who turned his back on you and never looked back and never provided for you. How is it possible that I can understand the love of a God, a father? I couldn't even call him father because I didn't understand who he was. The only way I could understand that was people who kept coming to get me and taking me to these little small groups where there was prayer, where they shared and broke down the word of the Lord. And they were patient and loving with me and they became my church family. I would come to church on Sundays, but I felt like that was my family because it was a little and I didn't know anybody else. They helped me to understand why whenever I walked into a church building and the body of Christ here at Res, they would welcome me and they would hug on me. And, you know, all the leaders would say, oh, we love you. And in my mind, I would say, you're a bunch of hypocrites. You don't even know me. How could you tell me you love me? Right? But I didn't understand that you can love on somebody you don't know because you're loving with the love that bubbles from within. It's a God-centered love. It's a gospel-centered love. It's the love of Christ who loved on me first, who loved on them first, that they were able to love on me. I didn't understand that. I learned that through a small group. See, love facilitates and contributes to Christian unity. It unites us. If there's any discord amongst us, the gospel, if you're walking in a gospel-centered love, you're going to want to resolve those issues. So verses 9 through 13 relate to Christians you and I, that's us, the body of Christ. And we're learning today what gospel-centered love is and how it behaves as described by Paul in our text. So we're focusing on what Paul describes as the kind of behavior which the grace of God enables and expects from us as believers. It is a sacrificial walk in love demonstrated towards our brothers in faith. That is what verses 9 through 13 are all about. And towards those outside of the faith, that is what the latter part of scripture today is all about. Verses 14 through 18. Paul gives us a working definition of what love is and how love serves us 
others sacrificially unto the Lord. See, sometimes we enter into things and we say, this is too hard and I'm going through a lot of stuff and you know, I'm going to quit because this is too painful. It's causing me too much pain. And I want, if you're walking in a gospel-centered kind of love and servanthood, then you're not thinking about how hard it is for me right now because, oh, woe is me. I have so much going on in my personal life. Think about this, is, this should be what drives us. Yeah, it's hard. And yeah, I'm hurting. But remember, Jesus' walk to Calvary, that cross was hard to carry. That cross was heavy to carry. That cross was harder and heavier to carry because he was beating up. His body was broken. He was bleeding. He was thirsty. He was hungry. He was feeling rejection. But see, Jesus knew that it was bigger. The picture, the objective was bigger than anything he could do. He carried that cross. And there came a time where he needed help. And help was provided. Our cross sometimes is hard to carry. Sometimes it's hard to serve from that place. Sometimes it's hard to be in community because you're broken. And your cross is a heavy one. But if we would step out of being self-centered and step into a gospel-centered life, then you know what? We would walk in total joy and total submission, knowing, God, you said that greater things I can do, and you have given me your spirit. Your spirit dwells within me. And if God's spirit is within us, then there has to be an overflow. There has to be a wanting, a joyous wanting to serve in and out of the body of Christ. See, the definition of love, the scripture-based definition of love, says that love is the heartfelt affection of the Christian in response to the love God has shown towards us, especially in the gift of salvation. See, love inspires our deliberate, diligent, self-sacrificial service to others, which is intended for their good at our expense. See, our sacrifice of serving is intended for the good of the unbeliever, for the good of the young Christian at our expense. And what does that mean? That doesn't mean that people get to walk all over you, no. It means that sometimes you're snuggled in bed, you know, on a cold winter night, and the phone rings and someone's in trouble or someone needs um, care in a hospital, whatever the need may be, it means that I can get up without grunting, without belittling, without saying, oh, here she goes again, the same message over and over again. She doesn't get it. You know, we just serve, right? Uh, because that's what a gospel-centered love is. It's intended for the good of the unbeliever and the young Christian, oftentimes at our expense, right? So let's just dive into a little bit of these scriptures. I'm not going to break down all of them for the sake of time, but um, Romans 12:9 it says, let love be without hypocrisy or Bore what is evil and cling to what is good. And I love the way the message translation uh, reads the, that first uh, verse. It says, love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. In other words, do not mask the type of love because you're on a stage and pretend to be something you're not. See, we're not going to know how to love right away, how to love with the love that God has loved us, how to have a gospel-centered love. This is a type of love that you learn in a small group environment. 
where discipleship begins to happen, where leaders begin to pour into you as a group and then little by little individually. So let's not mask the type of love that is intended here. And then it also says, abhor what is evil. And what does that mean, abhor what is evil? It means to hate as you would hate the, the hate, I'm sorry, hate the sin as you would hate the hell to which it leads to. Think about that and let that ponder for a minute because sometimes we want to entertain sin. It's just a little sin, you know. Oh, if you're on a diet, it's like, oh, I know I shouldn't have that cookie, you know. Oh, but it's just one cookie. And that one cookie throws you off your whole diet and one cookie leads to two. And before you know it, you're off your diet and you're back to no good health, right? Um, and so that's the way it is with sin. If we can think, let's not entertain it because this is the sin that's going to lead me to hell. And just like Pastor Joy shared, right, we want to make sure that we are equipping people, giving them the good news of the gospel, the hope that we have in the gospel, giving them that gift so that they don't have to. The end of, you know, end of life comes to all of us. How prepared are we to meet our maker? Because if we don't hear, welcome, good and faithful servants, we're going to hear something else. Or we may be feeling something else. And that's not where we want to go. And the last portion of that scripture says to cling to what is good. And what does that mean? It means to have an unalterable attachment to whatever leads to God and contributes to the welfare of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Love them with the affection of a biological brother or sister, as verse 10 says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. Let me tell you something. I have sisters. We grew up fighting and bickering, and sometimes I didn't like them very much, and sometimes I wanted to hate on them, and sometimes I wished them bad. Um, but I have to tell you that whenever one of my sisters was in trouble or whenever I heard someone from the outside speaking ill words over my family, I was right there. I was raised in the Bushwick, so I'm not the Millie. Millie that stands before you today, by the grace of God, was not the Millie uh, that grew up in Bushwick, right? So I was right there ready to defend my blood. And so see, that's what we need to, to understand here. Paul is calling us to love our brothers and sisters in Christ as we would love our biological siblings. Love one another you know we turn our back so quickly when someone you know there's a misunderstanding you just walk away I don't want anything to do with you you could die for all I care where is the gospel centered love in that let the word of God convict us and then we're going to jump to verse 11 where it says it's not lagging in diligence. See, I love this because this means let your heart accompany your hands. And in everything, let your heart be engaged. Do everything unto the Lord. Let your heart and your hands be connected together. Let your hands be an extension of God and let your voice be his voice. And let your feet go wherever he wants. Let us be an extension of the gospel. Let us be obedient. See, if we're living a gospel-centered life, then this is not a problem for us. And if you're not there, it's okay. The place you learn to be like this, to walk like this, to love like this, is in a small group environment. And let me tell you, if you want to learn how to serve in and out of the body of Christ, join a team. 
join a team. It doesn't matter whether you think you fit in or not. It doesn't matter whether you think you have the training or not. Look at that card. Join a team. It just becomes another form of community. It just becomes another form of growth. It becomes a form of learning and understanding how we serve when we're feeling really good, but also how we serve when we're not doing so good. So love energizes service to others. Love not only gives one a willing spirit to serve, but a fervent spirit to diligently pursue the task of serving one another. See, love provides the same power to stick with our task, our commitment to serving others, strengthened and sustained by the love, a love that doesn't quit when it gets tough. See, it got tough for Jesus. It got tough. That cross carried a lot of weight. It was tough for Jesus, but Jesus was thinking big. See, he started small, you know, just ministering, you know, growing up, being raised up, sharing. But then he knew there was a bigger picture. All his life he knew everything I'm building is bigger than my own. Everything I'm enduring is bigger than me. See, and we have to get to that place. Everything we're doing is bigger than ourselves. This is a gospel-centered um, uh, I don't even know what to call it. You know, it's a commission, you know, to go out and preach the good news of the gospel, the highways and the byways to all men, all women. So in verse 12, it says, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. Here Paul emphasizes love's endurance in the midst of adversity. See, people would like to think that when you serve the Lord, you know, it's always warm and fuzzy and everything is always good. But you know what? When you give your life to the Lord, it's like a war zone. All hell breaks loose because the enemy is angry that he lost you to God. And he is going to attack everything around you. He is going to confuse you. He's going to want to bring division. And so we need to know that we will endure. We can endure John 16, tells us we will endure all tribulation. And you know, the funny thing about tribulations, if we persevere through it, is that perseverance in tribulation is accomplished by rejoicing in hope, knowing that, hear this, tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance brings about proven character, and proven character brings about hope. And let me tell you something, hope doesn't disappoint. Godly hope does not disappoint. You can read that in Romans chapter 5. So I want to encourage you not to give up. Don't quit when the going gets hard hard. On the contrary, let there be an urgency and a steadfast in prayer within you. We've been asking people to pray and fast leading up to this coming week, those tense meetings. An opportunity to serve is at hand. Check off a box in one of those cards and give it to the ushers on the way out. I encourage you to look at the cards of small groups. Look for a small group leader and ask questions and visit their groups. But be willing to allow God to use us, all of us. Let me tell you, the first time the Lord used me in this building, you know, I came, very young Christian, and I came in, um, 
kind of prideful, not knowing that there was any pride. And they were assigning, you know, uh, things that needed to be done in the building in preparation for our first service. You know, and I'm, you know, I work for a corporate company and I know how to do all these great things. And yeah, I couldn't wait, you know, for them to assign me my first assignment to the church. You know, I thought that was great. I was going to get an assignment. And my assignment was, I remember, I, don't, I can't remember which one of the deacons handed me my assignment. I thought it was maybe Timothy. Um, and he said, oh, Pastor Joyce wants you uh, to be in charge of the women's bathroom. And I was like, the women's bathroom? Does she not know everything I know how to do? You know? Um, but as a young Christian, I didn't know. God has to test the heart of a servant. You know? And so I had a little hard time with that. Like, she wants me to the bathroom of all things. You know, I can whip up so many things and it's the bathroom. You know, so after I allowed the Lord and um, my discipleship small group leader, you know, minister to me and talk me and, and, and show me, um, then I understood. And so I was like, if it's the ladies' room, then it's the ladies' room. And that ladies' room is going to have my signature all over it. You know, I'm going to walk into a ladies' room that I enjoy walking into in this church. So there's going to be mints and there's going to be nice hand creams. And all those little toiletries that women enjoy when they go to big fancy places, we're going to have them in this bathroom because I'm in charge of the bathroom. Okay? But the Lord had to, you know, test the servant's heart. If I could be trusted with the ladies' room, then... Hey, look what the Lord has done. You know, there's a lot of stuff, but God has to know that above everything you can do, you are a servant at heart. So I put on my apron and no greater joy do I get than to serve unto the body of Christ, right? So that's who we have to be. And so verse 13, distributing to the needs of the saints, um, Paul calls us to Two things in particular that give us an expression of love in action and help us to see the bigger picture in small beginnings, right? So both of these things invade our privacy as Christians. Um, and it's a privacy that's highly valued and self-centered in the type of society that we live in today. See, it's two expressions of brotherly love. First, in your wallet and the second one at home. Because Paul exhorts us to contribute to the needs of the saints and to aggressively practice hospitality. That means that we open the doors to our homes and we open our resources. And resources is not just money, guys. Because I know every time you hear resources, sometimes we cringe, oh, money. But it's not just money. There's talents in each and every one of us. There's giftings in each and every one of us. There are things that we haven't even tapped into that we will never know are there until you begin to step out and allow God to show you the bigger. Take small beginnings, join a ministry, and see what God can do in you and then through you. And then we do these things. The last few verses are all about the unbeliever and how we service them. And, you know, for lack of time, I'm not going to get into everything. But there's a shift here, right, from serving the body of Christ to uh, serving the unbeliever or uh, loving our enemies. And that's a really hard thing to do. You know, but we must identify ourselves. We need to identify with those that are not in the body of Christ. And this empathy is vitally important and essential for many ministering to the unbeliever. And here's the thing. See, Paul could readily identify with the Jewish unbelievers who persecuted him because he was once one of them. Let's think, think big. 
But let's start small. Let's start thinking of where we've been, where we come from, and how God can use your story to make a difference somewhere else. See, he was given, Paul was a better persecutor than anyone who was persecuting him. But he was able to identify with those that were persecuting him. And so if we can identify with those who persecute us, then it, that enables us to forgive. And it enables us to, to desire to want to minister to these people. See, Paul and Silas were able to minister to the Philippian jailer even though he had played a significant role in their innocence, right? In their innocent suffering. So they were jailed for the gospel. And so through that experience, they were still able to minister, right? There was something that they did in those jail rooms that caused the jailer to bend his knees and ask for what they had. See, there was something that was driving in, and that was a gospel-centered love for Christ first, and then a gospel-centered love in action worshiping and being an example of what they were saying with them up because it's easy to do it this way but when you have to get your hands dirty and you have to get your feet dirty then it becomes a challenge and most of us don't want to rise up to that challenge because it's an inconvenience if we could once again think of Jesus walking to Calvary on that cross broken for you and for me and for every unbeliever You know, the latter portion of these scriptures says something like, discover the beauty in everyone. If we could just stop and not be angry and not be divisive and not see the difference in one another, we could just find the beauty in everything because that's what Jesus did, right? The gospel says that we were created in the image of God. And if we were created all in the image of God, that means believer and unbeliever. And we have to see that for being the beauty in every person. So the big picture is this. The grace that God has given us is not bestowed on the basis of our status, worth, or performance. The grace we are to show toward men must be the same. We are not too good to associate and serve the humble. And they are not too lowly to receive God's grace. And when I say the lowly, you know, sometimes when we think, we hear these words, we're thinking about the homeless person, you know, the person that's going without any lack. And, you know, that's, yeah, that's part of it. But sometimes we forget that the people who seem to be well-established, the people that have the most money and driving the best cars, the people that are in corporate America sitting in CEO offices, you know, that these people don't need crime. And you know what? They need Christ a lot more than we do. There's a lot of pressures in the world. We need to be ministering to them too. So if you're that person that God is tugging at your heart, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because if God is stirring it up in you, he is going to empower you and give you the words and show you where to go. So I want to close with this. This passage provides a dramatic picture of how God deals with man in goodness to lead him to repentance. And this is a really good, these scriptures are good examples of love in action. 
We're commanded to love and serve our brothers and sisters in Christ. This is love in action. We're also commanded to do good to our enemies, to produce a state of repentance in them. This is love in action. How do we do this? How do we get a gospel-centered love kind of a lifestyle? We have to be plugged in. We have to serve in the body of Christ. We have to be a part of any small group. And if there's one that doesn't fit your fancy here, then let us know what you're looking for because I'm sure we have many people who are more than willing to begin to start those groups. And so I want to just read to you. Martin Luther once said, God converts those whom he does convert by showing them goodness. It is only in this way that we can convert a person, namely by showing him kindness and love. Wasn't this the very way that Jesus responded to his enemies at Calvary? He gave us an example of love in action, steadfast to the bigger picture. This is not all about me. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about so many people that will perish if you and I don't step out of our comfort zones and begin to share and give them the gift of eternity as Pastor Joyce was able to give to her sister-in-law. Then a commentator by the name of John Phillips wrote, and listen to this, because this really ministered to me. The cross represents the greatest manifestation of hatred in the heart of man toward God. And at the same time, the greatest manifestation of the love in the heart of God toward man. That very spear that pierced the Savior's side drew forth the blood that saves. That pierced. He was pierced on his side. For us, the people who rejected him, who didn't love him, who didn't want him. See, the bigger picture was that through that piercing side and through his suffering and his broken body, we would be forgiven of our sins. And we would be adopted as sons and daughters. So worship team comes out, if they can come out. I want us all to just bow our heads for a moment. And just for a second... Ask God, ask his Holy Spirit, show me. Show me, Lord, how can I serve in this local community, in this church? There are so many needs. We'd welcome all of your hands. What is it that God is calling on you? Where do you serve? What are your talents? Let us know. And I want to encourage each and every one of us, if you're not plugged into a ministry, take a step of faith, mark off one thing. We will sit with you, explain it to you, help you to walk it out. If you don't know what it is to walk in a gospel-centered love of, and servanthood towards men, we want to pray with you. If you've never experienced the love of Christ, you need that before you're able. See, there's got to be an inflow first. We have to receive and be open, receptive to the love of Christ. So if you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you want to welcome Jesus into your heart today with all eyes closed and head bowed, if you could just raise your hand. If there's anyone here who would say, I want to pray. I want to love the way Jesus loved. I want to be forgiven. I want to experience what that's like. 
The love of Christ is here. He's here. And all he's waiting for is your invitation to let him in. It doesn't mean you change anything. It just means you're allowing him to move in you and then through you. Allow yourselves, church, for a moment to look at the bigger picture. Eternity with the Savior. Salvation, forgiveness. If you're having trouble understanding what it means to serve from a gospel-centered love, if you don't never, if you haven't experienced what that is, want to open up. We have leaders. Leaders, if you could just make your way to the front. We want to pray with you today. If you have any need, if you're sick, if there's a financial need, whatever it is that you may have walked in here today, we don't want you to leave in that place. We want to pray a blessing over you if you need one. So the altar is open. We welcome you to come up. Father, we thank you. We bless you. We honor you. Lord, we ask that you toil our hearts today, that we would answer this message in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We pray that you were blessed by this word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at resurrectionchurchofny.com or give us a call at 718-436-0242 and be sure to follow us on Instagram at reschurchnyc. Take care and God bless.